Alright. It's the summary episode. Happy Halloween! It's actually October for us now. We waited a little while to record. And I'm glad we did because this feels correct. We're doing this right. It's starting to feel like fall. It's literally 85 degrees today. It's not feeling like fall. <laughs> I, I say that knowing that I have my window fan and the AC on, so... <laughs> Before we jump into our main topics, we had a couple burning questions. So here's our first one. Do you remember we were wondering why Warnicky couldn't just go kill Billy and end this whole thing and why mm -hmm. he had to have Miles do it? Yes, yes, yes. I had a realization. The man is in a wheelchair. And Miles went up about 35 flights of stairs to, to shut off <laughs> the, the life support. I don't think he could do it, honestly. <laughs> But he had so many of his, like, right before he gets killed, he had, like, a bunch of people there to help him. If he really needed someone to go up those stairs, he could have asked any of those people. Well, I don't think they would have showed up. I think they showed up because he told them, like, oh, we're destroying the wall rider. We're killing Billy Hope. So come get me out of here. Maybe. Um, but anyway, it might be as simple as just he physically couldn't go upstairs but that seems like poor design i mean i don't know how long he's been in a wheelchair but it seems like you should maybe not have so many stairs so another burning question that we had was who is screaming when billy's life support is being shut down i don't know if you ever landed on a final theory for that i think it is billy i almost feel like billy is at this point somewhat brain dead but the whole shutting down the life support is just his physical body releasing that pain i guess which is what's causing him to scream yeah so i agree i found well i reread every document and there was one that we sort of glazed over because it looked extremely boring to read and that one was the document he finds on the console for the morphogenic engine thingy where billy is and it's like the maintenance document but there's a sentence in there, now that I actually read the whole thing, there's a sentence in there that reads, any interruption in supply will cause sufficient pain to the patient. So I feel oh. like we can be pretty confident that that is Billy mm -hmm. screaming. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, that might be the first time we actually solved some burning questions. With some confidence in it, too. With some confidence. Should we jump into topic number one? Yeah. All right. It's kind of a burning question, but it's too big to really be a burning question. And it is, mm -hmm. what is the swarm? And I think we're mm -hmm. going to break this into two parts, which is number one, defining the wall rider and then defining the swarm. I don't know if you want to give your thoughts on the wall rider. Mine kind of go to together, go hand in hand. Mm -hmm. So you have the wall rider, which at this point, I think the wall rider is obviously it's the name of a project, but I think it's the process of getting someone to the swarm to see the swarm. So all that black stuff that we see, that's a swarm. The wall rider is the process, just like the morphogenic engine. It's what takes you there to that level. So I think that's why the project is called the wall rider, because it's the process. And the swarm, my personal theory is that it's probably a bunch of cells from some cellular regeneration experiment. Or that it's like a bunch of static or some kind of cells that morph together 
and somehow create its own life. I'm also thinking a possibility that it's just some hallucination that Miles is going through or all the patients are going through. Or maybe he's going to wake up from a dream and realize that he's still sitting outside in his Jeep. I don't know, but that's... Wouldn't that uh, be nice? Pretty, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty a wild guess. But I do think leaning back onto the theory of it's just a bunch of... Probably sci- more scientific that it's just a bunch of cells. Yeah, there. I feel like there's a lot of ways that this could go. Option number one, I guess, in my notes is... I mean, there's quite a bit of evidence suggesting that it really is a demon. The wall rider really is a demon. I mean, we have a document five from part three of our gameplay that tells us it is a demonic creature of German origin that torments sleepers. We also have document two from part two that was written by a patient and says it was not a therapy. We were sacrificed to conjure a demon. And then while running through the asylum, we also hear a patient say it was a conjuring somewhere in the background. And then also in the very first document in this game, the email that Miles receives, it says, doctors talking about dream therapy going too deep, finding something in the mountain. And there's reference of it coming out of the mountain somewhere else as well. But I think a lot of what it is hinges on who's seeing it, because that's my main question is, is the wall rider real or is it part of the dream therapy? And that's why Miles starts to see it. And that's why some of the workers were seeing it, too, because it sounded like some of them were being affected by the therapy as well. And so, like, even if it was just the therapy was leaking out somehow or if they could somehow get secondhand therapy from the patients. And the reason I think, like, it could still be something real is because it makes sense that they would summon this demon since it torments sleepers and they're doing dream therapy. But also, doesn't Miles see it before he's exposed to the video? I think so. He was, like, in one of the halls. But the the criteria in order for someone to see it is to see enough for it, right? And by that point, Miles has seen so much. So I wouldn't be surprised if he was, at that point, already affected so much by what he was seeing and collecting. Mm -hmm. Not so different than a patient. And he was talking to patients and reading all these documents, both from the doctor's side, like the scientist's side, and whatever he was hearing. So I'm not surprised that he already seen the wall rider or the swarm before he sees the actual video. Yeah, and I think that's the question is, do you have to firsthand, you have firsthand exposure to the engine, to the video, to start to see this, or... Is just being around people, is secondhand exposure enough to start seeing this thing? I think that's a big question. I think secondhand, because if you think about it, the timing of everything happening, like Warnicky was born, I think, I can't remember what year he was born. It's either after World War One or something. So he would have been like old enough to kind of recognize what was happening during World War Two to start working and everything. And I think because of that timing... And all the different scientists, they got a lot of secondhand experience to horror from the the war. And they were able to come up with this experiment. So to your question, to going back to your question, yes, I think just even secondhand horror is enough. Yeah, and I think we have some evidence of the treatment sort of leaking. You know, is that why workers are seeing things? You know, is that 
the reasoning behind the if you're seeing things, say something document. And is that what the environmental contamination is? And then... Which reminds me... Sorry. No, um, just kind of jumping on. When you say environmental kind of contamination, is that why all the pests in that area, maybe... I don't know how pests process things, but I'm assuming that by association with that environment of so much blood and everything, do you think all that pest is probably some kind of makeup of the swarm? And that's why they need some crazy amount of pesticide to kill it if they can't kill it um i have an answer for you but i can't (laughs) i can't give it to you yet um let me make a note to write it after okay the next part i'm just gonna tell you i don't think it's bugs okay so part two of topic one attempting to define the swarm for me i focused on the seventh document that we find in gameplay part four I feel like it's it gives us more insight than anything else into what the swarm is. It's a note distributed to all personnel, and it was written by Warnicky, and it says, Do not worship the swarm. Any sentient being based in this technology will be so far superior to us that illusions of godliness will be reasonable. I'm going to build more on this later, but for now, with this information in mind, I feel like there's two main veins for sort of what could the swarm be? And the first is something within the patients. So throughout this game, we hear patients saying, get them out, rip them clean, they're in my blood and they want to get out. And then we also have Chris Walker saying we have to contain it. That makes you question, like, who is them? Who are they? And what is it? You know, what is in people has to be contained. So could all of that just be the swarm? And exactly what that is, I don't know. And then... Second potential for the swarm is something that the patients are seeing. Father Martin writes in Document 1 for Gameplay Part 2, What we've mistaken so long for ghosts, spirits, madness, we are only willfully ignorant. The scales over Saul's eyes were fear, and when you see beyond it, you truly see. This is the gift of the wall rider, the gospel of sand. And then also in another document, we have the, if you're seeing things, say something, And then, remember, Miles starts to see static, or whatever it is, after watching that exit interview video. So is the swarm something that people get exposed to in the treatment, and they can see it after the treatment? So topic number two is, what is the relationship between the host and the wall rider? So for me, I think there's three options depending on how you see it. So the first option is that the wall writer or the swarms, I'm going to use these words interchangeably, but the wall writer's thoughts are independent of Dr. Wernicke. So this means that by the end of the game, where the wall writer, we don't know if it's the wall writer or Miles, let's say that it is Miles and he's still alive with some quotes. (laughs) Then the first option is the wall writer's thoughts are independent and it's no, it's not controlled by Miles. But that means that the wall rider is inherently bad and it chooses to kill Miles or to make a partnership with him. Second option is that the wall rider goes in and whoever the last person the wall rider eats or swallows whole or whatever, that's the host and that person has control, which means that Miles now has control of the wall rider 
And that also means that Miles is the one who decides to kill Wernicke based on what we hear in the ending. But that also means that Miles, the investigative journalist who goes in and tries to figure out what's going on and saving people, is now in the industry of killing people. He's pretty much a murderer. Third option is that Billy. Billy has been the one in control this entire time, and he probably decided to just because he's in so much pain, he doesn't want to be the host anymore. So he just chooses Miles, the guy who helps him end himself. So he gives that control over to Miles. So Miles now is taking Billy's spot, although his physical body doesn't need to be hooked up to the machines. Mm-hmm. Question is, it, does it control itself or does the host control it? So I don't know. I think that's, I'm glad you went this direction because I didn't. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> so that's good. We didn't do like the same discussion. For me, I feel like the biggest hint we're given as to the relationship between the wall rider and its host is in that exit interview video where we hear Wernicke say, only a test subject who had witnessed enough horror was capable of activating the engine. I feel like this line, so many things hinge on this line in the entire game. With that in mind, I think we have some insight into how they choose patients to focus on for the treatment. For example, we find two patient status reports, one for Chris Walker and one for Billy Hope. From Chris Walker's status report, we know he was in the military and they reference mental traumas he sustained while serving in Afghanistan. So we can imagine that uh, they saw some potential in Chris Walker for Project Wall Rider due to the unique level of horror that he probably witnessed during his time in war. But the report also mentions that the same mental trauma seems to be stopping the progression of the morphogenic engine process. So keep that in mind. Comparatively, we have Billy Hope, who seemed to be acting as the Wall Rider's host and has been making strides in the morphogenic engine, according to his status report. And then we later learn, like we pick up a, a couple documents and we learn more about his mother. We don't really know exactly what the situation is, but it seems like his mother is pretty central in his emotions. And then we think that they might have killed her. And I think that they did kill her. And I think they killed her in order to push him to become a better host for the wall rider to add some more horror to him. So the main difference between these two patient status reports that we see that I pick up on is that Billy's horror is centered around his mother versus Chris Walker's is centered around his time in war. So Billy's is more current, while Walker's is more something in the past. So does the horror have to be more recent for the treatment to succeed? And then I will have a follow-up question to this, but again, I'm, I'm really yanking your chain today. <laughs> yes. But we'll get to Definitely it later. Me think. <laughs> Definitely making me think. I don't think it matters when the trauma happens for both Billy and Chris, because it's the level and the amount of horror they sees and for Chris because his comes from war and it's only for a certain amount of period of whenever he was in that situation it's set the trauma set in terms of duration but for Billy they can keep dragging it on as long as possible so it's not about it being recent it's about the duration of him experiencing and going through that level of trauma especially maybe they needed something to push him over the edge okay let's kill his mom and so i think because of that he becomes a more suitable host 
I'm trying to decide how much to say now. Um, <laughs> I think we should leave it at that for now. All right. So our third topic is what exactly was Wernicke's goal and what outcome did he want from the experiments? And this is where <laughs> a lot of dots maybe connect for me. So I don't know if you want to go first so that I can tie up Mine's all these pretty short. that I've been dropping. Okay, go ahead. Mine's really short because I struggled with this question. And for me... I feel like we just didn't get to see enough of Wernicke, especially towards the end of the game, to get some of the answers that we need. I think, first of all, he is a mad scientist and he's inherently a bad so-called doctor in terms of how he wants to do these experiments. has literally no ethics and he just wants to control people. Mm -hmm. And maybe this to him was just an experiment to see if you can survive the afterlife and that's something he wants to do, but he's just testing it out on people and just trying to tweak it until he feels comfortable to do it himself. I'm not sure. I feel like we don't get enough answers. So I struggled with this question and I think his goal was probably to somehow be able to control the entire situation. I agree. It's, it's hard to sort of start to grasp this question. Which is why I printed out every single document and organized <laughs> them by, like, what they're talking about. Mm -hmm. And so I started my answer to this question based off of the documents from the past. You know, the ones that reference CIA, Project Paperclip, mm -hmm. everything from, like, the 40s and 50s. And I think based off of those documents that Warnicky was hired to assist in finding some sort of mind control method. So if we look at these documents in the order that we find them in the game... The first one is the one that mentions being able to hypnotize a woman into shooting someone. The second discusses what can be achieved through sleep induction and hypnotic techniques when applied to war and specific agency problems. And this same document also asks, what are full details on a sleep-inducing machine? And then the third document talks about obtaining services from foreign specialists for specific assignments for the military. And it even goes on to say, specifically, German and Austrian specialists. So, I think that makes it pretty clear that Warnicke was hired. And I think he was hired to help develop a sleep-slash-mind control project. And likely they heard about the Project Wallrider from Germany that he had started on. So, do you think the results that they were getting through the tests that we see on these two women, Jackson and Pierce, with the hypnosis... Were those results not strong enough or not successful enough? And that's why they hired Warnicky? Or do you think he was around even all the way back then? The documents mentioning Pierce and Jackson, it's dated 1954. And Warnicky's obituary says that he immigrated to the U.S. in 1949. So how long do you think that he's been involved with these projects? I think he probably was involved in this project really early on probably when he was like 18 or so i don't know why 18 but you know at a good enough age to have enough education to know what's going on but i think the reason why they hired him was they probably saw that he was a mad scientist like they needed someone crazy enough and unhinged enough that they can proceed with this because again they have no ethics when it comes to this and so I think that he was hired because they probably knew he was unhinged enough to do whatever they needed him to do for the outcome and not caring about the process. And then based on the exit interview, it sounds like it wasn't working. 
And so my question is, that exit interview, clearly work was still going on after that. So is that when he then went to Mount Massive and sort of started like the U.S. branch of Murkoff? Because his work with the U.S. team failed? Is it because their minds weren't open enough to to follow his formula or whatever for Project Wallrider? I wouldn't be surprised if that's the case. But also, it might be just not enough resources. Okay, so next part of the question. What exactly was he doing and why? So, we have Project Wallrider and the Morphogenic Engine, which are the two big things we hear across the length of this game. And it seems to me, I don't know if you agree, that the Morphogenic Engine is, like, it falls under the umbrella of Project Wallrider. I say this because based on the patient status report for Project Wallrider patients, they mention Morphogenic Engine activity, but they call them Project Wallrider patients. So what do you think the relationship is between the project and the engine? Maybe the engine is the process and later just something coined by Wernicke and his colleagues at a later date when they had a better grasp on how to see the Wallrider slash the swarm. And I think the patients aren't necessarily ones that receive the same kind of treatment that Wernicke later gives to them. Maybe they're receiving a different kind of treatment. So I think it's just being exposed to different phases of the entire project. Okay. It's interesting you say that because my next bullet point is um, I think that some of the Project Wallrider patients are people who they're trying to get the Wallrider to accept as its host. And those would be the people like Billy Hope, Chris Walker, who have what they think to be enough horror to activate the engine. And then maybe the rest of the patients that we're seeing in this asylum are people who they're testing the control of. So like they're testing the wall rider host relationship on the rest of the patients. And then is that what the sentient swarm is that they mention in the autopsy report? I think that's a really valid point because the area where Billy is seated, we see in a circular shape. There's multiple chairs, and probably one chair will belong to Chris Walker. But maybe that's what it is. They need more bodies, mm-hmm. and that's why they have so many of those stations of those ball thingies that yeah that Miles walks by and Billy is in. By the time I got to this point in my notes, I still had that question of the hormone therapy. We hear that mentioned multiple times as well. And so I was wondering, like, how does the hormone therapy fit into all of this? And this is when I took a closer look at the documents. And two in particular, there are two documents that reference a relationship between Warnicke and Alan Turing, one of which even mentions a paper that they wrote together. So this is when things got weird. Um, I did some research on Turing and found that he did write a paper on morphogenesis. So I'm assuming that this is the paper that they are saying Warnicke helped him write. Except, of course, in real life, Warnicke doesn't exist. Unless maybe he does. I I don't think so. And the paper is about... Let me read you the title of the paper. I found it. I found the paper that Alan Turing wrote. So Alan Turing is a real person? He is a real person, yes. Oh, gosh. So I found the paper that he wrote, and it's called The Chemical Basis of Morphogenesis. And so I was decided I needed to know what morphogenesis meant. And so I have a definition for you. 
and it is the biological process that causes a cell, tissue, or organism to develop its shape. I attempted to read it. It's really long, like 60 plus pages long. That's dedication right there. Uh, well, kind he of, attempted. because I decided to just read the intro and the summary. <laughs> um, and then actually in the summary, it even mentions like, oh, we're going to dumb it down for you to be able to understand this because mm -hmm. it requires like high understanding of mathematics and all this stuff. But even with it being dumbed down, I still didn't grasp a lot of it. But the main thing studied in this paper is growth patterns for things like stripes or rings. But the most interesting thing as far as a connection to Atlas goes is the formulas in the paper. So I'm sure you remember when Miles finds that whiteboard with the morphogenic engine formula on it. Mm -hmm. And I think that that formula is based off of the real formulas in this essay. I wouldn't be surprised if they pulled it from that. And then this will come into play in a minute, but I also read that Turing is considered to be the father of artificial intelligence. If we can go back again to the exit interview video with Warnicky and his quote about, you know, having to witness enough horror. My thought, what I'm wondering is, is the morphogenic engine a sort of biological version of AI? So are they trying to implant a certain growth pattern in brain cells that activates morphogenesis of the mind? Like allowing them to control patients' brains via the wall rider? I don't know. <laughs> I don't have an opinion. I, I don't know. Because, I mean, yes, but at the same time, could be a no. We'll never know. So let me keep going. We also have document number two from Gameplay Part 4 that says, I have pressing news concerning the ongoing work of Dr. Rudolf Warnicke and his development of the morphogenic engine, expanding on theories developed in his brief but unfortunate relationship with A. Turing. But beyond even the promise in stellar regeneration, I believe Warnicke's method has breached the spiritual realm. So the question is still, is this something spiritual or not? And the line from his warning, his don't worship the swarm warning, he says any sentient being based in this technology. So like a sentient being, that makes you think, like, it's alive, right? Mm -hmm. Do we need to define sentient? Yeah, let's go ahead and define it. Be able to perceive or feel things. When I typed in sentient, sentient AI actually popped up as one of the top oh. search results. It's hard to know. Like, is this sentient AI or is it something spiritual? Because a lot of people well, have says claimed to witness seeing something physical. Well, it could also be another definition is that it's life itself. If that's the case, the swarm or the wall rider is life itself. And so, I don't know. I don't know how that connects back to you, <laughs> to everything. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't know either. Um, <laughs> so if this is happening, if they're implanting, basically implanting AI biologically using morphogenesis, to change the shape of your brain or whatever they're doing. Could this explain why Chris Walker is tearing everybody's head off? Because would it be breaking the morphogenic engine relationship? Because if it's going into the brain, you know what I'm saying? And then is this another reason the engine was not operating properly in him? 
And I say that because we have him saying, like, it needs to be contained, and we hear him repeating military protocol. So to go back to the relationship between the wall rider and the host and why it didn't work in Chris Walker versus Billy Hope, is it because his brain is already so structured that the morphogenic engine, the growth patterns that the engine is trying to implant, they're not strong enough to override what's already structured in his brain because of how intense military training is? And is that why it didn't work in him versus Billy Hope? Chris Walker is probably the strongest person mentally, emotionally, physically of the entire group of people because he's gone through so much. He knows how to keep fighting against probably to him what's right and wrong. And maybe that's why it's not working is because he's constantly fighting against it because he knows this is an enemy. He'd rather die than to let this take over. So I think that's why it doesn't work. And that's why it's taking so long because he constantly is fighting against it this might and we might want to put this back in our last topic but it's too good to not talk about so there is a note and it's writing on the wall on instructions to torture people and -hmm. that made me remember we questioned whether traeger was ever a real doctor Mm -hmm. and there's some documents that make it pretty clear that he was not so do you think Mm -hmm. his real job was just to torture patients in hopes of activating the engine in them, you know, putting them through enough horror. I would be surprised if that's the case. Back to defining the wall rider in the swarm. Another loose end that I teased you about in the beginning. Is the wall rider the swarm? Are they the same thing? Number one, the last note that Miles makes in the game after he kills Billy Hope is Billy is dead, the wall rider, the swarm, whatever it is. So... Do the patients refer to the swarm as the wall rider, but the employees refer to it as the swarm? Are they the same thing? In my mind, I kind of see it. I know we're using the words interchangeably, but I'm starting to think that the wall rider is everything that happens and what people are interacting with before they actually see the black stuff, which is the swarm. I don't know if that's a, a valid. So, what, way to think what do you it. think that? The monster is then that people are seeing, that the we swarm. see. Okay, the swarm. But then what? So what's the wall rider? It's everything that people hear about to see, and like they think they see something, and it's just a project. So it's like the process of it. Here's why I disagree. <laughs> um, mostly okay. Father Martin, because we have Miles has a run-in with the with the wall rider. We're gonna just call it that for the sake of where I'm going with this, the ghosty thing. He sees it, and then he very quickly runs into Father Martin, who says, you saw it. You saw the wall rider, didn't you? So I think Father Martin is seeing this ghost thing and calling it the wall rider. So that's why I think that patients see the ghost and call him the wall rider, but people involved in the project refer to it as the swarm. And so maybe they're not seeing it, or they're seeing it differently than the patients, but it's the same thing. I think that makes more sense than I think I was still lost until you explained it like that. Okay. I think I think I needed the example, which makes sense because the patients don't know what it is. I mean, in terms of like they didn't know how it got there and they didn't realize what these people were doing behind the scenes to make it happen. Mm -hmm. And so they had to put a a label on it and they smacked Wall Rider on it. Yeah. 
So that's my, my final thought is that those two are the same things. As far as what it is, I can't decide if the wall rider is legitimately a demon that has to do with sleeping or if it's some sort of biological AI. I think we can call it either option that it could be AI, which I don't know if it was that fully developed back then. Or maybe it is just a spiritual thing. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what I don't know because we have in that exit interview the mm-hmm. conductor is asking did you breach like was it something supernatural? And Warnicker responds nothing is supernatural. Does that just mean that he considers everything that you see it's real because you're seeing it so it's not supernatural? And so even demons to him are not something supernatural. That's just something that exists. Or is he saying, like, it's not supernatural. It's something that we created. Maybe you're right that Wall Rider versus the Swarm of who's calling who. So you have the first group of people, which for people who call it the Wall Rider, maybe the Wall Rider is a spiritual thing because those who identify it don't know that this is something that the scientists are trying to make it happen. Mm-hmm. So therefore, the wall rider is spiritual, but the swarm is AI. The swarm is a morphogenic AI because it's a bunch of these scientists, these people who know what they're doing, who are trying mm-hmm. to make it happen. So they consider it AI because they feel like they made it a thing. So right. it's not spiritual. So I think if we're going to consider wall rider being the term used by patients and swarm being a term used by scientists, then that means the wall rider is spiritual and the swarm is morphogenic AI. And it just depends on if you've had the treatment or not as to how you see it, how you interact with it. And that's why Warnke refers refers to as sentient being based in this technology. Yes. So yeah, I think we're getting close. Um, It's confusing because... I mean, the whole talk of having it described to people as a demon, is that just to is that just to offer them an explanation, the patients an explanation as to what they're seeing? Mm-hmm. Can you imagine someone explaining to a patient that this is a morphogenic AI? Oh, no, like, not at all. Yeah, so they have to coin, oh, it's a demon. What we know, if we can take every document at face value, what we know is that the morphogenic engine spawns the wall rider. It's definitely a product of the morphogenic engine and knowing more about morphogenesis and how you could use chemicals, which, by the way, I'm guessing that's why when you're being chased by the wall rider, you run into these rooms that spray like gas. So I'm thinking those chemicals alter the formula for the morphogenic engine, and then that's why it can't continue to chase you after passing through that. And also goes back to our helicopter pesticide question. I think the swarm is leaking out of the... It's getting too big to contain within Mount Massive. And that's why they're spraying chemicals, pesticide, whatever you want to call it, outside is they're trying to destroy the formula. That (laughs) is such a good reasoning. I agree with both of them. Okay. I think it makes sense. It makes sense. Topic four... What impact does Miles have on the situation? Mine is pretty short. Mine too. (laughs) Unlike every other topic, I have one sentence of notes instead of one page of notes. (laughs) 
Let me guess. The first one is he has none. <laughs> okay. I'll here's here's my uh, my thoughts. So based off of what we've learned, it seems like I, I think he's made it worse. I think he became the perfect vessel for the Wall Rider based off of what he's experienced in Mount Massive. And now that Warnicky is sort of not in control anymore, because we know that Warnicky was in some way controlling Billy because he was locked up. Does the Wall Rider now have free reign because he has a, a free host? Sure, why not? <laughs> <laughs> That's my thought, is he definitely made it worse. He made it less controllable, I think. So I agree with you. Because he pretty much doesn't have much of a impact on the situation. He does make everything worse. And there's no way he was able to survive to begin with. The fact that this guy gets lost, knocked out, barely has enough batteries to constantly keep himself seen in the dark and everything. I don't know if he was meant to survive. Especially, it's a, I understand it's a video game and you have to because you're the player and you play until the game ends. But I don't think Miles' character was meant to survive. Like, what kind of person makes it out alive from that kind of situation, right? And You're even talking, if like, he, from a creative standpoint, he wasn't meant to survive? Or what, what, what are you... Can you describe that differently? <laughs> I mean... Think of yourself as Miles and stuff. Like, how can a normal person survive that, considering how so many people died in that? So, it was destined for him to fail. But I'm thinking that maybe a option is that Wernicke was the one who lured Miles into the situation, knowing that he wasn't going to make it out. And he was going to try to make Miles one of those eight, ten, however many chairs there were to use his body. Maybe they needed, like, fresh bodies and Miles would be one. So that's what I'm saying is that he was never meant to survive. Okay. I I really like that theory. And honestly, I think that's better than the answer we get in the DLC. <laughs> oh. Okay. Um, so I'm, I'm pretty confident based off of the DLC that um, Warnicky did not lure him there. Well, Red Barrel, please listen and maybe make a an alternative ending <laughs> to this game. But I just think because my first reaction is that Miles literally has no impact on the situation. Why is that? You take a step back and it's all part of Wernicke's master plan. Mm -hmm. When we start watching the DLC, it's going to make me question everything I'm watching. But by the way, the DLC is fantastic. It equally as fun as the mm -hmm. the main game. You're going to have a hard time visually handling it. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> um, oh, no. But before, I mean, perfect segue. Um, topic number five, our favorite scares from the game. What's yours, Kathy? It's definitely, I think it was part three. Was it around the kitchen or something? You forgot about that <laughs> scare. So you jumped and because of the screen share, the little two second delay I didn't see it so you're watching my reaction and you can see the moment I jumped and Jake went in front of my face <laughs> Jake the alpaca because I got so freaking scared that one got me um not when I played because I was far enough away from the screen sitting on the couch but I knew it was coming when I was editing the gameplay and it got me <laughs> I actually jumped <laughs> and I don't jump I'm more of an internal like I'd get terrified internally 
So, like, I won't jump, but my blood will just run cold. But that I actually physically jumped in my chair. And then when we were rewatching it, I had to have the volume really loud for you to be able to hear it. And so not only was it, like, just, oh, look at that, that's surprising. It was, like, my ears were bleeding. This is <laughs> horrendous. It um, was so scary for me, too. <laughs> I have, the, I had two listed, and that was one of them, so I'm glad you said that. Okay. That's the one that actually gets me, like, the one that makes me mm -hmm. jump. But my personal favorite one is part one, when he's walking down the hall and the bathroom door is slightly ajar, and then it just slowly closes all the way. I just love it. <laughs> it adds to the fear for me because it tells the player, it tells Miles that there are a lot of things to be scared of in this building. Like if someone is reacting like that just based on the sound of Miles walking down the hallway, then you know there's a bunch of shit. Like anyone walking down the hallway could be a murderer. So for me, mm -hmm. that one, it's just kind of comedic as well because it's the bathroom. Ha, funny. But it's just the, the how purposefully and how slowly they close the door. Which, by the way, can we comment on how bad Miles is at closing doors? He slams them shut every right? single time. Are you trying to give people clues as to where you are? Cl gently close the door, please. Biggest peeve of this game. Oh I think gosh. that brings us to topic number six, Kathy. KFC. KFC. Kathy's favorite character. And to be honest, in this game... <laughs> I really am tempted to say no one. <laughs> Usually we would go for the main character and this would be Miles, but I'm just kind of irritated that he didn't leave or didn't just start killing people and try to <laughs> leave and everything like, or maybe even I'm like, sorry, wait, you you're mad at him for not killing people. Yeah, because if he <laughs> killed Wernicke to begin with, he wouldn't have died. He wouldn't. It, and it'd be out of self-defense. Well, he thought Warnicky was dead already in his defense. When I say that, not out of, like, cold blood or anything, I think it's out of, like, <laughs> self-defense. Like, when he's getting chased by random people and, like, Traeger and everything, like, had he killed Traeger, he, which he kind of did later. So but he true. wouldn't have lost the fingers. He, he, like, a lot could have prevented. But you know what would have prevented all that? By turning the <laughs> around and... Walking out of that building when the moment you realize that crap is about to hit the fan. Yeah, I mean, they say he's locked in, but I don't know what's stopping him from going back out that window and climbing back down the ladder that he mm -hmm. climbed to get him in there. Maybe the scaffolding fell and we just didn't notice, and so he couldn't get back out. But I agree with jumped. you. It, I think um, as soon as I stepped foot in that building and what it probably smelled like, which I'm assuming very bloody... I would have turned around. That would have been enough evidence for me mm -hmm. to call the police. Exactly. So he's not my favorite character. Obviously not Father Martin or Chris Walker. Well, I think probably the only character we didn't meet, uh, Dr. Neil Wolfram, who was the one who requested finger paints for Father Martin and actually caring for his patients. So that's the only person. I know we didn't get to meet him, but he's, I wouldn't say he's my favorite character, but he's one of the only characters that I don't dislike. He's one of or the only characters who's yeah. actively good. Yes. And it's just one letter. I feel like it's down mm -hmm. to him or that guy, Kurt, who is email flirting. That was his name, I think. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. I agree with you, though. It's definitely Dr. Neil. He's the mm -hmm. only one. He's the KFC. Yeah. Moral of the story. <laughs> Let the man finger paint. Yes. Anything else on okay. topic six for you? Nope. Well. So key and... Battery counts. 
Yeah, uh, because I'm insane, I rewatched the whole game. Oh my just god, to count, Just to count the keys and the batteries that we pick up. Oh god. Before we get to... Well, we'll do keys first, but before I let you guess, I counted keys and key cards. So I don't know if you want to combine um, those or count them separately. I just counted keys, like things to elevator doors. Okay. Uh, gosh, it's going to be really low. 12? So total keys... Seven. Five okay. of them are actual, like, metal keys. Two of them okay. are key cards. Not too far off compared to me guessing the amount of smokes, cigarettes that Big B smokes. Batteries, I'm going to say 45. No. <laughs> like, is that way too low? <laughs> no. Too high? Yeah. Too high? Um, fine, 25? 20. Okay. I was surprised it was only that many. I saw a couple that I missed that I didn't pick up, but I was just counting ones that I picked up. Um, The fact that we are panicking and everything makes me feel like there should be more. I know. Well, all right. We're taking a break. We are going to be gone, dead, dark. We're We're taking November off is the best way to say it. And we'll be back for a special in December. But most of December will be gone as well. So happy Thanksgiving. Early Thanksgiving for those of you who are in the U.S. If you're not, have a great start to winter. And you will hear us again around Christmas time. Anything you want to say or you want to count us off, Kathy? I will count us off. Okay. Voice recorder on one. Three, two, one.